praise God for uh, what he's been doing this morning, helping our tech team and praise team get ready for what we just did. Um, as you might have smelled the, the, the fresh smell of, of uh, sawdust as you walked in this morning. Again, because, you know, we've been doing some re- renovations, a whole, new, a whole new tech booth back there, and a new, new stage area and, and that kind of thing. So it's been a lot of stuff going on. You see along the side walls some protective stuff put up for the because we do the chairs all the time, that kind of thing. So a lot of that's going on, and that, that impacts uh, the team so much. And so just praise God that we've been able to do this this morning. And I praise God that you all made it here without your extra hour that was stolen from us unjustly. Um, but you did it. You came anyway. You overcame it. And, and then also, you, you weathered, you know, sub-freezing March temperatures to come this morning, which is out of the ordinary for us. And so thanks for all that you did to get here. Um, we're really glad you're here and so thankful. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1 as we continue through the, the gospel of Mark, just really getting a start on it. And I have to say, I, was, I didn't realize that today was going to be so emotional for me. Um, thinking, um, thinking about the, the passing of, of Dr. Anderson. And so I'm going to recruit somebody this morning. You don't have to raise your hand, but I need a replacement for him. Not, not the memories, but something he's been doing uh, for these 40 years uh, since I studied under him. Um, he's been praying for me. And I know a lot of you do. And so I want you to continue so you don't count. I'm not recruiting you. Um, but somebody here doesn't. And so you could pick up the slack. Uh, for Doc Anderson, he uh, when I went to Brian to visit um, to, to think about going there, I had already thought the Lord was was going to um, use me in His ministry in some way, and so I was planning on on using college to prepare for seminary training. And um, the coach had told Doctor Anderson that, and so when I when my parents and I arrived on campus to visit, he was one of the first people who met me, and um, he was about this tall. And um, and he had so many great little sayings and things. Good land negotiation. Um, I, I just could go on and on. And, and um, he said to me that day, he said, he said, Rob, he said, if you come to Bryan College and play ball here, I'll get you ready for seminary. And that was a that was a selling point for me because it, it wasn't an impressive place to play basketball. And um. As a matter of fact, we were, we were going back down the hill that morning or that day after the visit, and I put my head between my parents who were in the front seat, and I said, guys, I think I'm coming here. And my mom said, I knew it. And my dad said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I'm so glad I did. I met Sherry there. You know, and, um, that, was, that was worth it just for that. But, uh, but Doc was uh, every, every day, in, he, he was our Greek and Hebrew um, professor and uh, every day in class if, if he found out about one of us that he'd had before that had just gotten into seminary or just had just started at, an, at a church um, he'd always do a little thing and he'd pretend he had a hat on and said another feather another feather another feather in the hat and his hat wonderful thing and I just praise God about him because he was so instrumental in my understanding uh, because he was so instrumental in my understanding of the of the word i think about him 
in all my preparations all the time. You know, so I didn't realize that, that it was increasing, his influence was increasing over these 40 years. Because um, like I said, he seemed really old when, when, it, when, when he was our teacher. Um, but he just kept on going. You know, and, and uh, I've been talking to a lot of my buddies yesterday when we got the news. And um, so many of us have had that same, that same experience. You know, we think about him all the time because of that influence that he had in us. And so I just praise God for him. And, um, you know, so if I'm a little, sh- I'm, you know, I'm like this a lot. So I know, <laughs> I, know, I know you're getting used to it. But anyway, I just praise God for him. And, and uh, just it's such an honor to be a feather in his camp. Uh, verse 21 from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Mark 1, 21. Remember, remember what we're doing. Remember what Mark set out to do. He's, he's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So all of this is to help, help people who don't know about him so much. They've heard about him, but they, they want to really know who he is. This is all written for us to really know who Jesus is. Not, don't depend on the one that you've just heard about, other people talking about him. Now we're, we're looking at the real man, the real God man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so get to know him as we read these, as we read these verses this morning. Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 21. They went to Capernaum. That's up in Galilee. That's why we read that passage from Isaiah chapter 9. Great statement about this from the Old Testament. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. I mean, can you just imagine hearing it directly from God's mouth? You know, and it was obviously, it was just, it was mind-blowing to them to hear this. You know, because, oh, they've never heard anything like this before. This is, this is the author himself commenting on his writing. Amazing. What a blessing. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently, came out of him with a shriek. That'd get your attention on Sunday morning, wouldn't it? Or excuse me, on a Saturday at the synagogue. That would, uh, that would be an eye-opener. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? You just imagine, you just hear them saying that, you know, as, as these things are happening. A new teaching, and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon, remember, later becomes Peter by name. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about her. So they went to her, took her hand, or so he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. 
the fever left her and she began to wait on them. That's a great picture, isn't it? That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. It's an interesting concept for, for God himself, the Son of God, to go and pray. But he valued and cherished that, that trinity, you know, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that union. He cherished that and, and promoted it and continued it even as he did his earthly ministry. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. What a great introduction to Jesus Christ. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Gospel 101. You know, this, is, this is who he is. This is written for us, not necessarily as something for us to go and do immediately, although there are things here to do. You know, following Jesus' example, it's a good thing for us to pray. You know, so that, that's something for us to do in looking here. Um, Peter's mother, or mother-in-law, you know, being helped up off her sickbed to immediately go and serve the Lord Jesus. It's a, it's a great picture. That's something for us to do. But the, the, the intent of this passage isn't giving us something to do. It's something for us to learn so that we can believe. We, we need to know all we can about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, so that we know who it is that we believe in. Personally. And here, Mark is, is sharing some of these early things in the, in the ministry of Jesus to help his readers, which is us. Again, it's just such an amazing thing that we're his readers, isn't it? He wrote this, he wrote this gospel over 2,000 years ago, and there's groups of people all around the world gathering around, gathering together and reading it together. You know, like, like big reading clubs, book clubs. And the, and, the, and the topic of interest this morning, in many of them, not all of them, you know, because we're all doing different things, but, but many of them today are studying and, re- and reading together the Gospel of Mark. It's an, it's an amazing phenomenon, this, this word is, the, the Bible, this good news. It's, it's amazing how God inspired Mark to do this through the, through the ministry of Peter, you know, one of these first-hand account givers, you know, he was there. He saw, he saw his mother-in-law raised up from this from the sickness that day. He may have even been at the synagogue and heard Jesus teaching that morning. 
and, and saw what happened with the, with the demon-possessed guy. This is an amazing thing that we have in our hands that we get to do this. And, and again, remember the intent of it. To show us who Jesus is so that we know who it is that we believe in. So that we know who it is that's, that's going to do these things that have been promised in the word. All the promises of God's word. Again, we're not going to see all the promises in the gospel of Mark. But we're going to see the, the giver of those promises. And so as we read and learn the promises throughout the scripture, we're going to come back and remember who this, who this Jesus is that we've been introduced to, that we, that's been described to us by Mark, so that we will believe wholeheartedly that what he has to say can be trusted because he is unique in who he is. Now, all of us are certainly unique. You know, and your, your parents taught you that, hopefully, you know, that you're unique, you're, you're one of a kind, you know, and, and God has special things for each of you and, and each of us. All of those things are true. But Jesus is unique among the unique. And here, Mark lets us see some of his uniqueness. He's the one who teaches with authority. You know, that's, that's highlighted here. That, that was noticed. As soon as he started to teach, it was like, okay, this is different. This is different. Something is different. About, I mean, remember, these people were like us. They went to, other than they did it on Saturday, we do it on Sunday. They went to synagogue every Saturday. This was their custom. This was their normal thing. And they listened to, to somebody come up. That was the custom. They didn't have a, a, a certain person that did it every Sunday, but people who, who were trained in the, in the law would come up, would be invited up, Sometimes traveling teachers, Jesus being one of them, would, would have an opportunity. They did this over and over again like we do, and all of a sudden on this particular day, it's different. This is way different. Even before he cast the demon out, it was way different because of how he taught with authority. And again, it was, it was because he was coming as the author. He knew this stuff like nobody had ever known it before because he it came from his mind, the mind of God. And he, he addressed it in, in that way as the author of it. He taught with authority. He taught as somebody who knew what it meant and how to apply it. Again, that's all of, our, all of us preachers' goal is to, is to preach with authority, knowing what we're talking about and, and knowing how to apply it. That's, that's our goal, but none of us have that authority that Jesus had when he taught so what a moment that must have been for them. And, and here Mark is trying to highlight that for us so that we understand it. That's where he got his authority. He's God. You know, when, when Mark started off, remember, saying this is the son of God, remember, that was, as a, as a Jewish person, that was him saying, Jesus is God. And that's where his authority came from as the teacher in the synagogues as he, as he went around. And this being this first example that Mark gives us. He taught with authority. He had authority in the, in the, in the mind, in, the, in what's true and what's false, in, in, in what God has to say about things. He had authority because he is God. He wrote it. Then he had, the, had, a, had a big challenge as he's preaching. He got interrupted. You know, that's a very awkward thing for preachers, I want to tell you. And, I've, and I appreciate the fact that most of you don't do that, hardly ever, you know, interrupt. You know, sometimes your cell phones go off. 
You know, I understand that, and, and I don't get mad or anything, but, you know, that's a little awkward. But it would be even worse if you interrupted like this interruption, you know. And so I'm also very thankful. To my knowledge, I don't think any of you are demon-possessed, all right? I'm very thankful for that this morning. But here it was happening, and you'll notice through Jesus' ministry that we're going to see this over and over again, and you'll see this emphasis. A lot of people in, in Galilee in particular were demon-possessed. And we don't experience that that much around here. And so a lot of times we wonder, well, maybe, maybe they just thought different about things. And, and it was some of the stuff that they considered demon possession was just certain kinds of illnesses that we know differently about. No, that's not it at all. There were literally a lot of people in Galilee that were demon possessed. We don't know exactly why. We have some ideas. We have some speculation that we can make. But we don't know why that, that, at that time in that place there were so many other than the fact that because Jesus was coming into the world, this could have been a time when Satan was really trying to attack that particular area because he was trying to thwart the work of Jesus from the get-go. So it could have been preparation for that. And, and, and we don't know that. It could be the case, though. But whatever the case, God used it to help us see that Jesus, the Son of God, is more powerful and has authority over all of his enemies, especially and even Satan, the accuser, the arch enemy of God from, from way back when, when Jesus saw him fall from heaven. You know, as, as a beautiful angel, a created being of God who rose up against God and God cast him out of heaven, Jesus saw that. And, and here we're finding out from Mark that Jesus had authority over all of God's enemies and especially over Satan. And we need to remember that too. We don't deal with Satan in, in the possession realm like they were facing here that often. And certainly those who, who are already believers in Jesus Christ and have the Holy Spirit living in them don't even have to worry about that possibility because no one who has Jesus the power of the Holy Spirit in them, will ever have a demon living in them. But we do get influenced by Satan and his demons and his warriors in this world, his servants in this world, his slaves. And remember, all of us who have come to faith in Jesus Christ used to be slaves to sin and slaves to Satan. All right? So we've all been influenced by him. And we all face his opposition in our lives as Christians as we try to grow. We, Joy, our interpreter, and I were talking this morning about how difficult Saturday nights can be for those of us who serve the Lord in particular ways on, in church ministries. And some of you have faced that, and you, and you re- recognize that. You know, Some of you recognize how difficult Saturday nights can be in, in, with your family in light of how important the next morning is in, in getting up early. And, and again, doing something different than almost everybody in our culture does it's a hard thing to do, and Saturday nights can really be a battle. Sometimes, and Sherry and I have noticed this at, at times in our lives, where Saturday nights will just be nights of unusual, you know, aggravation with each other, all right, to, to put it nicely, all right? And then we recognize, you know what? what? What's going on here? What night is it? You know, why is this happening? Of course this is why it's happening, because, you know, Satan doesn't want us sharp tomorrow. He'd rather have us, you know, with 
with other stuff going on, you know, without, with our focus. All kinds of things like that. We, we face opposition all the time, and we need to recognize, and this, again, is a New Testament principle as well, over and over again, especially Ephesians chapter 6 is one of the great passages that reminds us of this. We're involved in a war. We're involved in a spiritual war. Satan is working against us in many ways. And we need to remember from Mark chapter 1 and throughout the Gospel of Mark that Jesus has authority. We don't, but Jesus does. And so we can walk with confidence when we, when we know Jesus as the one who has authority over Satan and his demons. We don't have to be afraid. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that Jesus has authority over, over these entities, over these over these. these you know, angelic. fallen angelic beings. He's got authority over them. We don't have to worry about them. He will give us victory also, as we also, as, as James put it, resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. You know, Peter described him as a, as a roaring lion looking for those that he might devour. You know, we don't have to worry about him if we recognize that Jesus has authority over him. And that's what, he, what he's pointing out. Clearly, and that was one of the early ministries of Jesus when he came into this world, was to show people that. And he did that regularly as he cats out those demons. Now, you'll also notice that, that Mark highlights the fact that he didn't want these demons talking about him. No, knowing who he was, he didn't want them talking about him. And we don't know exactly why, but we speculate that it may be that he didn't want those guys witnessing for him. He didn't want those angels those fallen angels being the ones telling people about him. He wanted that coming from those, that, those people that he was going to send out. He didn't even want his early converts doing a lot of publicizing about it. Because his purpose, as he, as he mentions in the, in the solitary place to, to his disciples, his purpose was to go around preaching, and he couldn't do that if there was, if there was a circus around him. You know, if, if too many people were coming looking for, for the wrong things. He wanted to preach. He wanted, to, he wanted to give out the information about the good news of the gospel and the kingdom of God. That's what he was doing about repentance and all those things. He didn't want it to become a, a crazy circus. And so he, he asked them to keep it quiet so that he could go and preach. It became difficult to where he had to stay out of towns. You know, you mentioned here he's going to go to the nearby villages. But as, as the word kept getting out, got bigger and bigger, he had to go out into the, into the wilderness areas like John the Baptist did, where, where there was room, you know, to spread out and and for him to do his preaching. But it's important to remember that Jesus has this authority over Satan and any of the opposition that he gives us. So remember that when you face it in your relationships, when you face it in your marriage, when you face it in, in the raising of your kids, when you face it at work, wherever you face that opposition from Satan, and sometimes you think, well, how do you know it's from him? Well, if he's working against you, then, then whoever it is that's working against us is either one of Satan's people or, it's, or Satan is, is dealing directly against you. And we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to fear that because we know who Jesus is. He is the authority over those things. And then he also is described here so clearly as the great physician. And, and, and what a blessing for us to see him in this light. Now, we know that today, he doesn't heal every single believer in him every single time that we get an illness. All right, we know that. 
We've, we've experienced that. If that, were, if that were the case, if he healed every single believer of every single illness, then none of us would ever die. We would just keep, you know, we would just keep getting healed and healed and healed, and we, we would just keep living. And in fact, that's eventually what's going to happen. But that happens in the next life. That happens in our eternal life with him. That happens when he recreates heaven and earth and gives us that, that place in his glory that he's been preparing for us. Then there, will, then there will be no more death, no more dying, no more tears, and those kind of things. But now, he doesn't always do it. And he didn't, remember, he didn't heal every single person in the world at the time when he came to, uh, to live here. But he does show in, the, in these examples, he does show his compassion for those of us who are suffering through life in this sin-ridden world. It's a, it's a tough place to live. And the older we get, the, the more we experience that in our own bodies and more and more have more and more experience with people who are, who are going through these very difficult things. And we need to remember, as we see Jesus described here in Mark chapter 1, we need to remember that Jesus is the first and great physician. And as, the, as, as people brought the sick to him, when they found this out, to be healed, we, our first move when we hear about somebody being ill or we're ill ourselves, our first move should be to pray to God through Jesus Christ to bring healing to their lives, to bring healing to their bodies. That should be our first call. You know, I've told the story before, and uh, William probably gets tired of hearing it, but, um, you know, when, when, he was a, when he was a little guy, we were going to take a bike ride, and we had this, this uh, house on a hill, and, and from our driveway, the top of our driveway, we could see the road both ways because we lived kind of on a curve. We could see both ways so we could know when it was safe to go. And so I had Rebecca strapped in behind me on my bike, and we were ready to roll. And I said, okay, let's go, William. And he went, he took off, and his feet got off the pedals, and we were going down the hill, and it hit the curb, and kind of lost control. He hits the next curb and goes flying over the handlebars. And I, this is a tough position I'm in with, you know, a rider behind me strapped into the car seat on the bike, and 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 he's down there, away facing away from me on his hands and knees, and and uh, he's starting to cry a little bit, and he turns around to look at me as I come up, and his chin's open up, hanging down, you know, bleeding, and okay, so I'm, you know, I got to do, I got to get Rebecca off the bike, and I got, you know, and Sherry's not there, you know, where were you? Oh, she, anyway, and so. I, you know, I get her off the bike, and I get him, and I'm carrying them both up the, up the hill back up to the car, and I lay him down on the, on the garage floor to get the door open for the car, and I'm going to get rags, and I'm coming, and he's laying there bleeding, and um, he says, Dad, I think we should pray. <laughs> Praise God. What a statement. That, did, that, that helped me so much in that moment. You know, it, it, instantly almost I realized, you know what? I don't think you bleed to death from your chin. So, so that, I mean, up to that point, I was, you know, panicking. Just calm me down. You know, just the thought that God, the great physician, was right there with me, not the great physician. But he was there, and he's going to help us out, you know. And again, William did not die from that, you know. For a number of years, he had gravel coming out of his scar, you know, in his chin, although they did enough cleaning out that I probably fainted. Um, you know, 
But our first call, when, when, when sickness hits, when, when difficult physical ailments hit, our first call should be, Lord, help us. Help us. You can heal. You've shown that. We've seen it. We, many of us have, had, have eyewitness accounts of healing, of, of how the Lord heals. We've read it. If we haven't had our eyewitness account, we have these eyewitness accounts in God's word. Jesus is the great physician. He can heal anything, anytime. Again, he tells us that his will be done is, is also part of our prayer, even, even we're talking about healing, because he knows, he knows the, exactly what's going on. He knows everybody involved in our lives and, and how he's going to use sickness and illness and, and physical difficulties. And so sometimes he does it through, a, through a, just a wonderful, miraculous healing. And probably all of us have known somebody or, or experienced ourselves who have had a, a healing that can only be explained by God just directly intervening and healing. There are other times when he says, no, I'm going to let your healing happen when you get to glory. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to allow you and strengthen you and enable you to use the difficulty of an illness for my glory. Like he did the Apostle Paul, as Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians. When, when Paul was, was asking diligently three times, Lord, take this thorn, this, this thorn in the flesh, this, this illness, this sickness that he's got, and God, Jesus remind him, say, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to be okay. You're, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to deal with that for the rest of your life, but I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to be strong for you when you're weak. And that, and that happens sometimes, but he is the great physician, and he wants us to call out to him every time first when we, when we have a physical need, whatever it might be, knowing that that's who he is. And he has that power, he has that compassion, that strength um, to do that. And so as we see this um, right before our very eyes in, in Mark's description of who Jesus is, that should impact us, believers in Jesus, that he has power for us. He has power over Satan. He has power over our illnesses and our physical conditions, over our lives. He also has the power of his word, the authority in our lives of his word. And we need to take advantage of that. And we need to remember that his priority, as he, as he told his disciples, hey, I've, I came here to preach. He came here to preach, to give us the truth. And now we have the truth in written form we need to make that a priority in our lives. If that was his priority to give it, we need to have a a priority in our lives to receive it, to make that something that we continually, regularly do. Some of you took advantage of the opportunity of the the 9.30 hour this morning, which was really 8.30, so, I mean, you get like double stars, you know, for being here. But during that 9.30 hour, and we promote it regularly, and if you're not a part of one of those classes, I want to encourage you, if at all possible, come be a part of it, because it's good for us to discuss the Word of God together, to look at it together. Even as we do it in this format, it's, it's, it's great for us also to do it in smaller groups. And I, and I just was blessed this morning in the 9.30 hour to discuss a couple of really important passages, you know, from the Old Testament and New, um, uh, 
it's, it's just such a rich thing. It needs to be a priority for us, not just in, in, in corporate ways, but also privately to be in the word of God because Jesus has that authority over our lives in what he teaches us and he's given us such a rich, rich blessing in his word. So as we continue on this, this journey through the gospel of Mark, let's continue looking intently into this word to see who Jesus is and what Mark wants us to see in the one that we believe in. Because Jesus, the Savior, the one who died on the cross for us, the one who rose again victorious, he is worthy of our, of our honor, of our belief. And so we not only believe in him to be saved, we believe in him for our lives and how to live this life and how to live it for his glory. So let's look to this word now together um, to, to find out who is this one that we believe in. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the ministry that you had during those three years of your public earthly ministry. And we thank you for the way that Mark captured it, especially through his his work with Peter and, and Peter's eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. And we thank you for what we've seen this morning and for the confidence that this word gives us in facing life. Because we know that we need the authority of God in our lives. We need to know what you say about things. And we thank you that you've given us your written, written word. Jesus is the giver of that word. And that by his spirit and those that he's entrusted with the privilege of teaching and preaching your word, that we can know you think and what you say so that we can be ready for whatever comes our way. And Father, we're in the middle of a lot of things coming our way. Father, we also thank you so much for the authority that your son, the Lord Jesus, has against your enemy, Satan, and his demons and against the effects, the sicknesses and the illnesses, the effects of this fallen world that we live in and how they impact our bodies. We thank you for the authority that you have to bring healing, to to bring strength, and to bring protection to us as we live this life for your glory. Father, there are some of us who are ill this morning, and we haven't gone to you yet. We may have gone to doctors. We may have gone to, to therapists, but we haven't gone to you yet. Father, we come to you this morning and just ask you, to intervene in our illnesses, to give healing, to give strength, to give comfort, to give knowledge to those doctors and therapists that we're, that we're dealing with. And so we, we, we apologize and confess that we don't always come to you first. Father, help us to do that, remembering and recognizing who you are. And then we also see the great example that Peter's mother-in-law was of how once she received her healing, that she used her opportunity to get out of that bed and to serve the Lord Jesus. Help us to be like that, to have that kind of attitude. And Father, there are some here this morning or online with us that still haven't put their trust 
in this Jesus that we've been talking about, that we've been reading about, that's presented so clearly uh, in your gospel. We pray that you help them as you helped so many in that first century audience, that you help these today to put their trust in Jesus, to stop trusting in whatever it is they're trusting in, whether it's religion or church or prayer or Bible memory or good deeds, whatever it is they might be trusting, or maybe trusting in in their family who's been a a faithful church-going family or Christian family. Lord, help them to stop trusting in anything or anyone other than your son, Jesus. We pray these things in his strong and amazing name, Jesus Christ. Amen.